you'll open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, we'll take a break from Luke and look at a special Thanksgiving text. When we come to the Word of God, you should, have, you should come to expect that God is going to tell you things that aren't natural to us. If the Bible only spoke to us the things we already believed and understood, where would the power be? Precisely why we go to the Word of God is because in our fallenness, we believe we have the proper view of the world, we have the proper view of truth, we have the proper view of our own human condition. And then we come to God's Word, and He has surprises for us. He is the revealer of true truth, true truth, not this relevant truth pervasive in our society. You understand that if you think something's true and I think the opposite is true, either we're both wrong or one of us is wrong, but certainly we cannot both be correct. And so we come to the Word of God this morning to a familiar, famous passage from Romans 1 where Paul lays down the argument for salvation by faith through grace, that we need a righteousness that is not our own, that we can't conjure up enough righteousness by our good works. And so we have this righteousness from God that He gives to us through faith in Jesus Christ, a perfect righteousness. Nathan preached last week that if this is the true gospel, then Jesus had to demonstrate that His message was the true message and that he is Messiah and that his miracles were authenticating his authority. His miracles were authenticating his authority, including the passage we saw last week where he cast out a demon and cast out a fever just by the power of his spoken word. Being that it's Thanksgiving and I've had a couple weeks to think about a sermon instead of picking up Uh, Luke's gospel, I thought, I want to do something on Thanksgiving. People are thinking about Thanksgiving. Let's capitalize. And the aspect, the angle I wanted to take was, why don't people give thanks? Why do we fail to give thanks? Why is it that this one holiday each year, suddenly the country says, oh yeah, I guess we should give thanks. And perhaps many people sat around the Thanksgiving table and and complained, ironically. Turkey's too dry. My favorite side dish isn't there. I complain that we ran out of cranberry sauce. Sorry, honey. This is the human heart, but we shouldn't excuse such behavior. And we may think of the lack of thankfulness as a relatively minor sin. I mean, after all, we didn't kill anyone, didn't commit adultery, we didn't steal. And yet, when we come to Romans 1, we end up finding out that the sin of thanklessness or ingratitude is on the top of the list. 
Let me read Romans 1, 18 to 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Ungodliness and unrighteousness, those umbrella terms, pretty much that covers everything. But Paul's going to get more specific. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. You might be tempted to say, Paul, it's a little overboard. Vanklessness, the wrath of God is being revealed because of vanklessness. This isn't a New Testament concept. This, this is Old Testament. Numbers 11.1. 1. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. We, Paul picks up on this theme in 1 Corinthians 10. This complaining and grumbling, this lack of thankfulness, complaining and grumbling being the uh, sister sin to thanklessness. It's not just that we're not giving thanks, we're discontent, we're complaining, we're grumbling. We feel like we deserve better, we deserve more, so we don't give thanks. And I said, well, gee, it's not like we committed adultery or murder But if you think about why people commit adultery and murder, it's because they're not thankful for what they already have. They're not thankful for what they already have. So maybe it's a bigger deal than we think. And like I said, the Bible always has surprises for us. This is a big deal to God. Thanklessness. We ought to listen carefully this morning and look for thanklessness and ingratitude in our lives and root it out. As Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better to enter the kingdom of heaven missing an eye and a hand. And we know that complaining and grumbling can become addictive, right? You start down that road and you can find something to complain about everything. So what's at the root of this complaining and not giving thanks? Paul says it's suppressing the truth. It's not just that I'm complaining. This isn't how we change, beloved. We don't just say, oh, I got to knock that off. Absolutely. And you do good for like five minutes. Maybe you make it a whole day. And then you go right back to your complaining and grumbling. Because you never got to the root of the problem. You never got to the heart 
of the issue. And Paul says the heart of the issue is the suppressing the truth. Suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. God's revealed truth about himself and his works and what he has done on our behalf. The Bible says he's revealed this truth in creation and more specifically in his word and even more specifically in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And so it reads, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. It's plain to them because God has shown it to them. The reasons to be thankful to God are not hidden from us. You don't need some Sherpa to lead you to the top of Mount Everest. Oh, now I see why we should be thankful. You don't need really even an MDiv credentialed pastor to show you the reasons to give thanks to God. It says God has made it evident to all of us. People have often asked me during when I'm evangelizing, well, what about all those people who never get to hear the gospel in some far-off country out in the bush? And it's a distraction. They're being presented the gospel. They got to hear. Trust God that he will bring the gospel to the elect through the Great Commission. But what's really going on in that question is judging God as being unfair. And so if I decide God is unfair, then I do not need to submit to him. I don't need to listen to him. Well, what would you need to hear in order for you to finally decide that God is worthy of your honor and praise and thanksgiving? Adam and Eve had it all. Perfection, companionship, paradise, no sin, meaningful work, perfect relationship with God. Where's the thanksgiving? Where's the honor? The tempter tempted them to feel like they were shortchanged, that God was holding back, that God isn't good. That God is some kind of cosmic Ebenezer Scrooge. And the very thing that God said would bring death, they became convinced would bring life and satisfaction and happiness. And so we've inherited that attitude. We suppress the truth about God in unrighteousness. From creation, we see his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature. Anyone around this globe can look at the earth and the universe, no matter what access you have to scientific teaching, it's awesome, it's amazing, it is intricate. There is amazing order, there is amazing diversity, colors, sounds, taste. That's one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving. It's that, that table, 
all the colors and the flavors. You don't know where to start first. I like to kind of mix it all on my, on, on my plate. And you just see the beauty of God. Evolution can't explain all the wonderful flavors and tastes and colors and combinations and textures and smells and the sounds. A magnificent, omnipotent, creative, intelligent being provided all of this. And His divine nature, His divine nature, no... No mere man could have spoke the universe into creation. No mere man could have come up with the laws of physics and the laws of logic and certainly not the moral law, which Paul says in Romans 2 is written on every man's heart. We have a sense of knowing right from wrong. And so the scriptures say that these things have been clearly perceived by all. Ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they, we, are without excuse. And yet, and yet, although they knew God, although we knew God, We did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Once you suppress the truth, it's a slippery slope. And a quick one at that. If you suppress the truth, you have to replace it with something else. And you begin to create this little fantasy world you live in. Where nothing's good enough for you and... You have no reason to give thanks and praise. Or I will give thanks and praise as soon as I get fill in the blank. If only I had this. If only I were made differently. If only I were taller. If only I were shorter. If only I were thinner. If only I were heavier. If only I had more muscle. If only if I was more beautiful or more handsome. If only I was more intelligent. If only I was richer. No one ever says if only I was poor. Then I will give thanks. It follows then that the reason man doesn't give thanks is because, frankly, he doesn't think God deserves thanks. Oh, sure, on those rare days where everything goes your way, it's easy to give thanks. Easy to give thanks on those days. Think about our human relationships. We naturally thank people when they do something for us that we like. If they do something for us that wasn't really what we wanted, if they give us a gift that wasn't really on our list, we'll give a courtesy thank you, but that's not thanks. Christmas is coming, and you know the courtesy thank you look. Right? As your children get older... Or even as adults, oh, wow, look at this. 
this, this is, mm. And you're hoping a gift receipt's at the bottom of the, the box. Our little children, that's why we love Christmas when you have little children, because they're just excited to open just about anything. But the older we get, the more persnickety we get. And uh, our kids are at that age now where they're writing their list, and it's very specific with, you know, they've got the quantity and size and color. And, gee, just give me a barcode so I can scan it and just, here's cash, just go buy it, you know. Let's make sure you have the Christmas of your dreams. Where's the honor and thanksgiving and that kind of entitlement? Paul links thanksgiving with honor. The same holds true when we withhold honor from one another. We'll honor those that we believe are worthy of honor. And it is right to honor one another for virtues and character and accomplishments. We honor man or a woman who's retiring We'll give an ovation to a musician or an athlete when something incredible has been performed in front of us. And yet, because of our fallenness, again, we can get pretty fickle about who's worthy of honor. Especially when God calls us to submit to authority. That's a tough one. Well, I can submit if he or she does this, acts this way. In other words, I will decide if you're worthy of my submission. Of course, if that's our attitude, then who's really submitting? If the person you're submitting to does everything the way you like it, Who's really in charge? And we take that attitude to God, to our shame. I can submit to a God who fill in the blank. If God will conform to my expectations of what God should be like, then that is a God that I can honor and praise. When you hear people in our society who say they're Christians but hold to certain moral beliefs that contradict the Scriptures, they often say, well, if if that's what God's standard really was, that's not a God I could honor. That's not a loving God. A loving God would be like me. A loving God would love the way I love. A loving God would have my moral law. And so Paul says, claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. I know most of us aren't making birds and animals and reptiles and putting them on our mantle and worshiping them. Although this is California. So plenty of earth worshipers here in California. And we chuckle, but it's true. We're going to see more and more of it. More and more of it. 
But for us, we're more likely to make an, an image of God that is in our image. Instead of us being created in God's image, we recreate God in our image. And then we say, now there's a God I could submit to. There's a God who can have authority over me. And so, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Adam and Eve were tempted to think that God is not good. That he's not worthy of honor and praise. That he's holding back. That eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and having your eyes open and being like God would somehow have enhanced their experience as human beings. When God said that very thing would bring death and separation. And we've inherited that, that sin nature. We have that tendency, all of us, beloved, all of us. And when we get the things that we like, honoring God, submitting to His authority, no problem. When He allows hardship and suffering into our life, different story. And when He calls us to submit to authority, even more difficult. My heart has been sinking the last couple of weeks when I see protesters, not my president. Really, that's the kind of country you want to live in? I don't remember any of you saying that the last eight years. We pray for our leader. We're thankful we live in a country where there are elections. Where we can choose those who lead and rule over us. And we have an opportunity, if they don't do a good job, in a few years to pick someone else. We don't submit to others because... They promise everything that we want and they promise to be the people that we want them to be. God calls us to submit to authority. Period. Waiting for the additional verse to show up in my Bible. And it hasn't. When we submit to authority in our life, we honor God because he is the ultimate authority and he has delegated all authority. I must confess, I've often had a problem submitting to authority on the inside. The outside, I, I can fool anyone. But I used to hop from job to job to job because I didn't like my boss. And you're always convinced you could do it better. Man, if they would just do this, or if they just would do this, and we like to play armchair boss, armchair quarterback, armchair president. But what's terrible is when we play armchair God. Well, really, God, that's the way you're going to do things? Job had this problem. The man suffered like no other man until the Lord Jesus. 
and knew he should submit to God and, and said the right words. The Lord blesses and he takes away and my heart will say, Lord, blessed be your name. We sing that song. Living it is a different story. And all throughout the book of Job, Job, God, I know you are the ultimate judge, but I think if you would just listen to me on this, this time, something doesn't add up here. I have not lived a life worthy of this kind of despair and pain and suffering. And by the end of the book of Job, realizing that God's job is way more complicated than any of us could handle, Job repents in dust and ashes and says, I have spoken of things too wonderful for me to understand. And that ought to be our response when life doesn't exactly go our way. We can trust God in times of trouble and hardship and sadness. We can be thankful in those times. The antidote, then, isn't just to start giving thanks and praise randomly. The antidote to suppressing the truth and unrighteousness is embracing the truth. Embracing the truth. What is true about God? And as we saturate our minds with the truth about God's goodness and His holiness and His perfection and His unending love and His faithfulness and His mercies that are new each morning. And not just on the beautiful sunny days when the grass is growing and the flowers are blooming. Because eventually there's going to be a gray day. Is God not worthy of our thanks and praise on those days as well. If you can't do this in your human relationships, what makes you think you'll do this in your relationship with God? I haven't decided after all these years of being a Christian and counseling people biblically if you should retrain your heart by first giving thanks and praise to God, and then you'll learn to give thanks and praise to one another, or if you should give thanks and praise to one another first, and that will reset your heart with God. It's probably a both and. But I have found this in my life. It's harder to give thanks and praise to one another. Which tells me that often when we're giving thanks and praise to God... It's more perfunctory. It's, I know I'm supposed to do this, so I will do this. And so often, like in marital counseling, when a couple's struggling, I'll give them an exercise. Fold the paper in half. Down the left-hand side, write ten things about your spouse that you are thankful for. Give God thanks and praise for this gift He has given you. And on the other side, write at least three things you need to repent of, specifically. And there had been times where people have come back with that assignment and they honestly said, I could not think of one thing about my spouse to be thankful for. 
Wow. I could name 10 right now. Well, you don't have to live with them, or you don't have to live with them. doesn't matter. These things are true about them. God gave you this gift, this Christian, this son or daughter of God. They have the Holy Spirit, and we're going to worship around the throne of God for all eternity. Certainly, you can find something to be thankful for. Perhaps, beloved, when we treat one another in a way that lacks thankfulness and gratitude, we unintentionally help one another become our worst nightmare. Kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy. And maybe part of the power that God has given us through the Holy Spirit is to speak words of truth and affirmation into each other's life. And that can bring life and change in our friendships, in our marriage, in our work relationships. When's the last time you gave thanks to your spouse or your parents or your children or a neighbor or a boss who's difficult to work for? Thankfully, God is merciful on me. He's given me bosses that are easy to thank. Wonderful men on our elder board. Humble, gracious, good listeners, loving. Do they make all the right decisions? Well, we make unanimous decisions. So if we're, if we're wrong, we're all wrong. The strength in numbers. But these are good men, and they watch over your souls, and you should be thankful for them. We've all heard stories or spent time in other churches where that wasn't the case. And yet, even in those cases, the Lord calls us to submit to authority and give thanks and praise and honor where it's due. So I would submit to you this morning that it's probably harder to retrain your heart to give thanks and praise to another individual than it is to God. And so if you have a problem with complaining and grumbling, find that person in your life that you're just, oh, I just cannot be thankful for this person. And retrain your heart to be thankful Find reasons to be thankful. And I'll bet that it will open up your prayer life to God in a renewed sense of gratitude and thankfulness as the bitterness and the pride melts away. Simultaneously, though, go to the Scriptures, and the Scriptures will give you boundless, infinite reasons to give thanks to God. Bible filled with 
thanksgiving. In the Psalms, especially, but in the prayers of God's people. We read Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your steadfast love in the morning. And your faithfulness by night. Those two attributes alone you would never run out of reason to give God thanks and praise. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. And we need look no further than the cross to see his greatest work of all. Redemption. Reconciliation through Christ. You may be at a place right now where it is difficult to give thanks. Perhaps because of a broken relationship or a strained relationship. Or maybe because of some serious adversity in your life. Chronic illness, chronic pain, loss of job. And I want us to consider the words we heard before we took the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed. On the night he was betrayed, one of his closest friends, he spent three years, day and night, with this man. And I know we, we think Judas, and we think, you know, that guy must have been just a cheater, scoundrel, hard to be around. No, they had no clue. He said, one of you will betray me. They said, who? Who could it be? No one had any clue. He was a close friend. And he betrayed Jesus. Jesus took the bread, the very bread that would represent his body that he would give to us on the cross. And all that that entailed, the shame, the hatred, the rejection, the false accusations, the physical pain, the agony, and worst of all, being separated from his heavenly Father as he bore the sins of humanity. Knowing all that, being betrayed and undergoing Trials like you and I will never have to experience in this world. He took the bread and he gave thanks. Eucharisto in the Greek, which we get the word Eucharist in the Catholic and Episcopalian faith. Eucharisto. He gave thanks. Because he fully trusted the Father and fully trusted the Father's plan. Fully trusted the Father's character, fully trusted the Father's plan. So we can honor one another and submit to authority 
when we begin to look for reasons to trust one another and look for reasons to trust in the plan that the person in authority over you has. And I know that's difficult because earthly authority is human. They've got their own ulterior motives that they're often not aware of, their own preferences. And yet we're called to give honor. How much more than in our relationship with God, who we can fully trust in his character and fully trust in his plan, that Jesus, our great high priest and our great example, could give thanks knowing what he was about to undergo. That in whatever circumstance you find yourself in today, beloved, you can give thanks to God. You can trust in his plan. You can honor him. You can give him thanks in all times and in all circumstances. Though the Bible gives us myriad reasons to give God thanks and praise, as Christians, we should start at the cross. Paul, writing in Romans 7 about this struggle, this war, and it, it's, it's a war inside. It's spiritual warfare. That sin nature we inherited from Adam and Eve that doesn't want to give God honor and doesn't want to give Him thanks because we think He's not worthy of it, because we don't like the way our life is going. And yet, our redeemed mind knows that God is worthy of our honor and our thanks. And that battle is going on. And Paul says, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And the very thing I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the antidote. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord.